Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Episode 7 of the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, brought to you by CST Tires and hosted by me, Cody Jansen. The ATV motocross season has officially come to an end. Last Friday was the finale at Ironman, and the event truly lived up to all the hype. Tonight, Sean Taylor and Tyler Hamrick are here to join me in talking about the event and reviewing the craziness that was the 2019 season. We're also going to give away that brand new DID 520 ATV2 chain to a randomly selected lucky winner who correctly predicted Joel Hattrick would win the championship in our recent poll. So I guess that counts as our Evans Power Sports Coolant Sight Lab segment. And speaking of our fantastic sponsors, I'd like to thank them before we dive in. Thank you to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR tire is the cheat code that enabled Thomas Brown to be the fastest rider on the racetrack in the final moto of the season. Join the CST Takeover or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you, SSI Decals, for their support of our podcast and presenting sponsorship of our live show at Redbud. SSI Decals, makers of the highest quality graphics in the industry, clean swept the podium at Ironman, and every other pro race all year. No job is too big or too small. Make your identity stick with the baddest ass graphics in the industry. Thank you, SSI Decals. Thank you, DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. You can thank them for our featured guests each week, as well as this chain that we're giving away tonight, the absolute best in the industry. Thank you, 4Works Carbon, for coming on board. Their 2020 rider support period is now live. Head over to their social media pages or website for featured products, discount specials, and to apply for sponsorship now. Thanks, as always, to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 at checkout to save at evanscoolant.com. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. Keep your eye on our social media accounts for a DP contest coming soon. Winner of the contest will join me and so many others in outbreaking the competition thanks to DP Brakes. Thanks to Blender's Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for such an attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market, blenderseyewear.com. Thanks to Oats Overnight. Life is hard. Make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your to-go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout, oatsovernight.com. Thanks 100% and their new Armega goggle. I was wearing my Armegas at the sand track earlier today, and I have to tell you guys, nothing compares to the new HD technology in these things. Unparalleled performance for the modern racer. Thanks to 100% for supplying us with cool giveaways for our listeners. And any bearded gentleman out there, funny story, I saw a post about myself earlier in the week where somebody commented calling me the bearded dragon. Um, If you have a beard and you love it as much as I love mine, treat it right with washes, oils, balms, and more from Mountaineer brand. I've been using these 100% all-natural products for years now and absolutely love them. Use discount code 
Cody's Fave in all caps. That's C O D Y S F A V in all caps at mountaineerbrand.com. We pride ourselves in partnering with the best brands in the industry, better your riding experience and lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. Now, as promised, joining me are a couple guys that you've heard from previously on the podcast. Former AMA ATV pros like myself, we've done a lot of battling between the three of us. Say hello to Sean Taylor. What's up, Shawnee T? What's up, man? And Tyler Hamrick. Thanks for coming out. Hey, how's it, how's it going? Um, yeah, awesome to have these two. They're rejoining the show. They've been on um, in the past a couple times, and both of them were gracious to give up a little of their personal time to help me review um, the Iron Man Pro Only finale here. So Sean and I um, were both at the event in person. Hammy spent race day wishing he was there. So I hope that we can kind of bring an array of angles. And, uh, yeah, with that, I think we should dive right in, guys. Do it. Hell, yeah. All right. So, you know, we all know that the event was in conjunction with the, the Pro Motocross finale. The ATVs raced on Friday. And, you know, really – the ATV championship was the best of the weekend, the best battle of the weekend. I would say, you know, Eli Tomac wrapped up the 450 championship early. Um, AC had a big enough gap that he wrapped it up after Moto One. So, no matter what, with you know Joel Hetrick coming in with the five point lead, we knew the ATVs were going to be the the closest duel of the weekend. So, like I said, Sean was there in person, so was I. So, Sean, before we talk about the on track stuff, um, like. How sick was the event? Tell us about your trip a little bit to Ironman. I thought it was great. Um, it was great exposure for the, you know, for the ATV scene to, to be there. Um, you know, they were kind of in their own little world, I think, you know, where they, you know, where they were all set up at. They weren't, you know, necessarily with the, you know, parked with the pro bikes or whatever. But that, that's cool. I mean, it's, it is what it is. They were there. Um, I did hear, you know, just hanging out after the race was over and, you know, just kind of the buzz going around. Um, you know, the promoters and stuff, it seemed like that they were really happy with, um, how the races went and how everything kind of flowed really well. And, you know, that they were maybe going to talk to, you know, may, that might be something, there might be more coming of this in the near future, which is great for, you know, great for the ATV guys. I think so too. The, the turnout I thought was really good spectator wise. Um, and then when I looked around and there was tons of amateur ATV riders that, you know, literally came from halfway across the country just to be there to support the event. And then let alone like, you know, past pros like you, past legends like Doug Gus. I mean, there was like, it was like the who's who um, of guys there to support it, which was really cool. And, you know, I talked um, to one of the promoters and, and one of the, the event people at the end of the day and the event kind of started like they were they were, it was questionable in the morning to say the least. Like it was, it was muddy. Some of those guys were worried and it came full circle. Cause by the end of the day, I don't want to get um, into the racing part already, but like by the end of the day, it was, it was perfect. Like being at a dirt bike event, I think people were a little nervous that having other, you know, having bike ruts on the track, stuff like that was going to maybe impact the racing and um, yeah. in my opinion that it didn't hurt at all. Like the, the track ended up being really racy. I was seeing like, you know, people were, you know, social media were posting everybody got there early and, you know, you could see like water spots and puddles in the pits. And, you know, I reached out to some people like, has it been raining there or what? 
And um, I, because uh, like, dude, all summer long in Iowa, we haven't had, we had went through like a dry spell to where it was hot. You know, we were, humidity was over 100. Um, we hadn't been getting any rain. Like the lake that I live at was down. Um, you know, we hadn't got any rain. And then the weekend before the race and during the week, we got four inches of rain and over four inches of rain in probably three days. So, and I knew like St. Louis was getting hammered with rain and that, you know, that's kind of in the same, you know, the way that the, you know, the radar and stuff was going up there. So yeah, when I got there, um, I got there probably nine o'clock Friday morning. And I heard that, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, the track's pretty muddy. They tilled it really, really deep yesterday. And then, you know, then it rained and stuff. So yeah, it was really questionable. Everybody going out that first qualifier was questionable if they were even, they were going to go for the riders meeting, but we didn't know if anybody was going to go out. Absolutely. You know, we got there shortly after you would have got there. We got there right before that first qualifier. So we make our way right up to the track and I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. Cause everybody's kind of in the mechanics area. Um, yep. just keeps doing starts. There's only like one or two riders going around the track. Well then when the, when the riders got close, you could see why, I mean, there, it was obviously deep. It was pretty muddy. Wesley Wolf's family was telling me that, um, that they got a pretty like good amount of rain the night before. So that obviously had something to do with it. And then it must've got like pretty ruddy because they groomed like the whole track before that first qualifier, they told me. So again, everybody was concerned on how this was going to go because it didn't probably start off on the best foot, but um, it got better every time they were on the racetrack and the racetrack made for really good racing. So and like when I was, we were talking, there were some of us talking and, you know, it didn't, it looked bad in some spots. And then I knew there were some other spots that were really, really deep and like they could barely get through there. Um, and which I assume they were going to, they would fix that, you know, the track crews were, that were there for the weekend. I assume that was going to get fixed, but for them to, you know, the rest of the track, they were just going to have to be out there and, you know, making laps to make it raceful. And that was like the one thing that, that I was concerned about even going was, um, you know, for, as for the championship side of it, I didn't give a shit who, you know, won the championship type of thing, but for the, the event itself, I wanted those guys to go out and be able to put on a good show because you know, who was, you know, ever, there was a bunch of people there that, you know, they were wanting to see, you know, how, how these guys were, you know, raced on, you know, on stuff like this They'd probably never you know seen this type of, uh, uh, level of racing. I, I would say. Absolutely. I just wanted the, the ATVs to be able to showcase what they're capable of. I think yeah. that that was everybody's worry because I was even getting some messages. I posted on my, on my story, um, the show's story that some guys were sitting out till the second qualifier. And uh, yeah, I was getting some messages about it. And I took a video of, um, I think Parker was one of the only ones that didn't have big tires, at least in the qualifier. And I took a video of him going through a section and he, he got stuck in the right yeah. in the middle of the rut because um, it was that deep without those big tires. He, he ended up getting stuck. So like I said, go ahead. It was really bad after like the bridge, you know, where they go under the bridge yeah. yep. and they go that turn. It was really bad down in there. I think that was one of probably one of the worst spots on the track, I would say. Which, I mean, over- which shows that they got rain. Cause that's like a low spot. I think it I, always, yeah. always seems to sit there. 
Yep. So. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Again, the the track got better every time that that they were out there. So that was really good. And I thought the same thing. I thought the promoters will get the the promoters will get the track in good condition. I was just worried that they wouldn't have enough time with the schedule and everything. But um, it ended up being a non factor. The track made for great racing, and uh, yeah, it was really good. So Hammy, I want you to get involved here a little bit. You know how how bummed were you that you weren't able to? Get it? <clears throat> Yeah, I was pretty bummed knowing that like literally everyone else was there and I was stuck at work, but it was actually a pretty chill day. I was able to put my phone up underneath my hard hat and I was listening to uh, Rodney and Digital Dave and Billy Cottage. So I was i pretty sure I was, I think I was flagging and I was just sitting there just totally in tune to what was going on and I was getting a little bit pissed because like, I had like put my phone underneath my hard hat at like right at whatever time, like two thirty or whatever they're supposed to go out and nothing was playing. And I was like, all right. I kept having like take my hard hat off and see what's going on. I messaged you like what's going on, but it was cool. At least I got to listen. So it would have been better being there, but I got to do what I got to do. You know, it's been a really long time since I, I mean, I got hurt like in 2010 or something. And I went to a race as a spectator, an ATV race, but otherwise other than that one, it had probably been 20 years since I went to a ATV race just to spectate. And I was, I didn't even really know how to feel. It was kind of weird to be at a race and not racing. I don't know if you got that feeling too. Did you have your camp? Were you camping? No, no. I just (laughs) drove down like you did in my truck. Okay. All right. So did you, did you guys stay, did you go to the bike national the next day? I did. Or, yep. So you guys stay, you stayed in the hotel or something. I did. Yeah. I, I got one in between motos on, on Friday. I found a place to oh. stay. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's uh, it's different. I mean, and you probably felt it was even more different for you just because, you know, you're used to having, you know, when you're there racing, you've got your camper and motorhome to go back to, you know, now you're just kind of like hanging out you know, dropping by people's trailers, uh-huh. you know, taking care for a while and talking and then kind of, you know, moseying on to, to talking to, you know, somebody else. I mean, that's just the, what, you know, what I do usually. I just like, I feel like a drifter, or, you know, linger basically. <laughs> that's exactly different how I felt. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's definitely different. It's way different not having your own stuff there, let alone not racing, you know? Absolutely. But um, the event was that cool that it, it, I was like, it was weird to not be racing, but I also was like totally into it. Um, you know, it was, it was exciting, especially with the championship battle. So let's let, yeah, let's talk about the racing here. Like, so Joel Hattrick, like I said, came in five points, you know, with a five point lead. And, um, we said on the previous show that that first moto was going to decide it in my mind. Um, if, if Chad Weenan could win the first moto that essentially made moto two a, a winner take all, and, you know, that would have maybe as a fan been the best case scenario. But, you know, like many of us predicted, Joel got the whole shot in Moto1 and, and never looked back. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a clutch start for Joel. I mean, you know, Joel's good on starts, obviously. But in the situation that, uh, you know, Joel was in, you know, being ahead by five points and, you know, this is the last two races. So I'm sure he had a lot of pressure going on. He had a lot of a uh, lot of things going on in his head and for him to, you know, to, to pull out that whole shot basically and, you know, kind of not necessarily pull away, but manage, manage a lead and, you know, didn't make any mistakes really rode a 
a really, really good race. And, uh, yeah, that was – Joel went out and did did his job, and, you know, it paid off for him there. Yeah, you could see Chad put in pushes, and they were both going for it to the point that it just stayed at that three, four, five-second range. You could You could see Chad – yeah, pushing as hard as he could. Chad was, I'd say, that gap. very. Chad was pushing to, and I, I would say that since they rode with the big tires, that first moto, most of them, I think everybody, other than there, might, I think maybe Parker didn't have big yeah. tires. I think everybody else had big tires, but yeah, you could see Chad was definitely riding at a level that you don't really see Chad riding at. He was making some mistakes in some terms, but I think that's just because he was trying to push. So, I mean, he had to do something, you know what I mean? To try to try to close the gap. And he ran a couple laps there. They put in some heater laps at the end of the race to where it was like, wow, he's, you know, he is actually, he's reeling them in a little bit, but you know, I think Joel responded to that and, you know, just kept, kept hammering it out. So. Yeah, I, you, I get, like the pace that they were going at the end was incredible. And um, I mean, Chad, Chad knew, Chad knew that if he wins the first moto, the ball's back in his court, but um, he left it all out there. I think it was clear, but they were both going like nearly the same speed. And, yeah. you know, Hammy, Hammy, what were they saying on the radio? Did they say, say he was kind of, kind of making up some, some ground there or how, what, how'd that play out on the radio? Uh, they kind of kept it the same uh, from the uh, from the start, though. They said it sounded like Joel and Chad were like neck and neck, and Chad made a little mistake. Chad, and I Chad went off I, the track in the second yeah. corner. Yeah, like almost up into like, like. I think that's what made the gap from the start was that little mistake, and that was just enough to let Joel like. It only gives him like three corners, and he's you know that's a couple seconds or not a couple seconds, but just enough to give him some breathing room. But uh, on the radio, they were just talking about Joel was running consistent laps and it didn't look real good for for Weenan to catch him. But anything could happen, as they kept saying over and over again. And the race wasn't over till it's over. Right. But Yeah, absolutely. So after Moto 1, Joel had an eight-point lead after that Moto win, and that meant fourth or better clinched the championship, even if Chad won Moto 2. Um, now, Hammy. Do you remember mm. what I predicted would happen at Ironman? Joel would win the championship. I said that he would win the first moto. And oh. then in the second moto, oh, he would have to, and he would still win the championship. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, you were right. Because <laughs> you said he was going to go 1-1. One, one, and he didn't – I knew that he wouldn't go for it in the second moto if uh, if he didn't have to. So that's what he did. He rode it home. He rode that thing home. He pulled the whole shot and then kind of got shuffled back a little bit a few corners in. And he just rode it home, secured – he finished third, secured that second championship. But he was, he was totally smart about it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He pulled the start and then that uh, – that turn going into where that um, that up going up over that hill before the Godzilla, Chad ran it in on him really hard there. Not, I mean, there was no contact, but nope. you know, yep. you know, went in there, and then once Chad got by, Joel really stiffened up, and but that was, you know, Joel didn't have to push to to do that, and that's why I was like the one of the. Uh, the, I was standing by somebody, and I told him I was like, Joel just got really tight there when when Chad when Chad ran it in on him and then, yeah, he kind of got shuffled back a little bit, but yeah, he knew what he had to do. It was fourth or better. And 
he wasn't going to go out and, you know, risk it. I mean, he didn't need to go to go that fast. I, even w- listening to him, you know, Joel's on the box a lot when he's, when he's riding and, you know, yeah. he's, he's always on the box. It seems like, and when he, they were hitting that big tabletop, I mean, it would you'd hear him coming up to the face of it. And as soon as he'd be in the air, it'd quiet. And I mean, when it'd land, then he'd get on the gas. I mean, wasn't he wasn't on the box at all and I even said something to him after the race so I was like man you are just not riding you know you don't you weren't riding like yourself out there it was just crazy to crazy to see that you you know you weren't uh I don't know he just he just wasn't himself but that was it was kind of cool to see that you know he was relaxed I think in the position that he was that he was in and he didn't need to he didn't need to chance anything so absolutely it was probably unnatural for him to be riding you know, just even if it's that half a step down, because he's used to just going for it. And, you know, if it was me, like even in, in my championship earlier this year at the end, like in the last moto, all I could think about was my bike breaking. I'm assuming, I mean, that was probably in his mind too, maybe just, I mean, because it was only that race earlier in the year, he had suffered a couple DNFs at that actual track. So that DNF when he's sitting in third, is gonna yeah. be the only thing that's gonna that's gonna um, keep the championship from going back to him. And he kind of suffered a, a DNF like deal the year before, so I'm assuming he was thinking about that and babying that machine to the finish for sure. Yeah, like and you know, given the kind of the conditions, the track was uh, um, the track was like that that spongy. You know, it was you know if you walk across it, like it's. It's dried out, but if you walk across it, you can kind of feel it being stopped. And I, I'd heard yeah. a couple of guys had, were saying that that's in spots, that's what it was doing. So, you know, it, that, you know, that's kind of hard on the engines, you know, for the most part, um, just being it kind of low me and, you know, and they're running tires, um, that first moto. So yeah, I was, I was nervous about that too for him. If, uh, you know, the, a bike issue or something like that, a mechanical. Me too. We were actually watching when we were watching time qualifying and how deep it was. And I mean, I'm listening to literally listening to clutches get fried. And I looked over at Taylor, my girlfriend and said, there's going to be bikes that are going to blow up today because of the stuff that they're getting put through right now. And I was even, when I was watching the motos, you could hear those guys like on the gas. And some of it was probably the big tires. Some of it was the, how deep the track was, but even in the second moto, like it felt, it sounded like they were on the gas and they weren't going, um, you know, nearly as fast as you would have thought they were going. So yeah, Joel did what he had to do. He rode it in smart. He finished third. He secured the championship ahead of him on the racetrack. You know, Chad won the second moto and the overall, um, he came up, I believe three points short of the championship, but man, Thomas was flying. Thomas Brown was flying in the second moto. He was all over Chad the entire race. He gave him literally all he could handle. And for people that saw some of the video coverage that came out afterwards, one time Thomas like stuck it in there so hard that he almost endowed when he, when he tagged, got together with Chad. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, Thomas was, Thomas was going for it. Thomas definitely had his, uh, Thomas had his areas on the track to where he was faster than Chad. And then there was some spots um, you know, you heard Chad on the, on the podium comment that there were some spots that were really one line to where Chad could rest and, um, you know, kind of manage the race pace in those areas and then knew where he had to, you know, knew where he had to pick it up to where, where Thomas was, you know, potentially could make a pass on him, uh, in those areas. And, um, yeah, Chad staying on the big tires that, 
that moto, um, you know, and then Thomas being on the small ones. Um, but yeah, Thomas was on fire. It was, it was fun to watch and it was good for Thomas to end the season on, on a note like that, because I think that, you know, like we talked about earlier, um, you know, he's had, he's had a little bit of, you know, a few mechanicals this year, uh, to, you know, where he was, he felt like he, you know, he could win and stuff. And, um, for him to end it like that battling for the lead, um, he could, you know, maybe set some set fire form for next year to where he could, you know, come out swinging at the opening rounds, which is, which is awesome. Absolutely. And I, and you mentioned it there. Um, the tire difference I think was also key. You know, I didn't even necessarily notice what was that the tires were a factor until we got down to the podium and, um, you know, Chad had stuck with the big tires and, Thomas was running the little tires, which I think allowed him to be a little more aggressive with his, with his corner entry speed. And in general, those little tires are just a little bit easier to ride. Um, so Hammy, I, I believe you have some inside info on Thomas's second motor tire choice. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Um, someone close to team Brown was saying that Thomas came at the, off the track after the first moto and saying that the bike was pulling funny with the big tires and um, they really didn't think nothing of it. And I guess Big Bill Cottage decided to check the tire pressure. And I guess one of them were like completely flat. So they hurry up, did a tire swap right before the second moto to the smalls. And that ended up going in a, ended up being like a good thing that he ended up checking the tires. And it was just like almost like out of luck that he ended up checking him because big bill college i don't think goes to any of the races so him being there and just thinking hey i should check these things so, you know so actually he was gonna go with big tires and it was kind of yeah, just yeah. by chance that they checked the tires it's low yeah. and now they they put the little tires on and that i think it had to have helped him go as fast as he was in that second moto so they swapped they swapped after the parade lap then yeah is that what the must have been. I didn't. Know, I don't know when they must have done it. Then I, I don't know with the exact time. I know it was before the second moto. See, because there was a couple. So guys, it seemed like it was a rush. There was a couple guys at the start of the second moto that were scrambling, changing tires, and um, yeah. I mean, it looked like it looked crazy down there. There was guys without their bikes on the line, <laughs> like trying to hold two minutes. It was crazy. So. Um, oh. Joel switched a little before he went down, but they took the bigs. They took the bigs just in case. Okay, I do know that. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that about. Uh, I didn't know that, that that about Thomas. That's crazy. But yeah, I, th- I knew there were few people. I mean, we watched him pull in and switch, but I, I didn't know Thomas. I didn't know Thomas did switch right down there on the line. Yeah, there. I did. There was a bunch of crap. There was a bunch of stuff going on down there. You know, guys were standing there waiting, and uh, yeah, it was it was hectic. It was for That's sure. Crazy. It was for sure. It was incredible. But tire choice was a topic of conversation all day. Um, it just seemed like it kind of got to the point where everybody was running the big tires. By the second moto, it started to change. I mean, they were talking about guys on the radio saying, you know, watch these guys because they got big tires, so they're going to get a good start. And um, and this, that, and the other thing. But I can't, again, I can't overstate how fast Thomas was going. He ran the fastest lap time by nearly a second, and he was relentless. Uh, in trying to pressure and pass Chad. And, you know, Wiena knew he had to get that win for a shot at the title, you know, depending on what Joel did, but he had to win the moto um, to control what he could control. He did that. And, uh, you know, he, he left it all 
on the racetrack in that final moto of the season. But I would assume that Thomas knew that if he made the pass, that would have given him the overall, which is probably um, an explanation as to why he was going for it the way that he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was really fast after the, after the finish line, when they'd come down, um, they'd come down in front of the mechanics area. Both of those guys were running that outside. There was an inside, uh, inside single there that kind of that brought you back out onto the, the, the start stretch. And they were both going around that. But Thomas, when he'd come down to the, by the, in front of the mechanics area, he would stagger that rut going around the outside and basically cut across it. And he wasn't necessarily standing up because he was leaned off to the side off, you know, for the weight, but, but he, he was crouched to where he was partially standing up and he was super fast there to where he would get, if he hit it right, he would gain, he could pull up on Chad a little bit going, you know, going around that first turn. And there was sometimes Chad would pull a little bit, but that was, that's where I noticed where Thomas was fast. That was after the finish line and kind of down all the way through there before Godzilla. Thomas was really, really fast through that area. Yeah. He looked really good. And I still, I wonder if the little tires, kept that four-wheeler like a little more stable um yeah, oh, yeah. You know, sections but he was he was being super um unorthodox with his line choice like you said cutting across ruts um yeah again he was going for it and and you have to credit that to trying to get that overall win and uh yeah he looked good so thomas ends up uh going three two that still gave him third overall um and third in the series but you know I've said it all year on the podcast, but it's been his best season to date. I mean, he's finished second in the series before, but riding wise, this was his best season in my, in my opinion. Do you agree? I, I agree. I agree. He's, he looks really well. And, you know, for the races that I've been at, you know, that mud race was one and um, at Walnut was one of them. And then yesterday or yesterday, uh, last weekend, you know, Ironman watching him, watching him ride like that. And, uh, it was, it was good for Thomas. I was happy for Thomas to, for him to, you know, to be able to end it, end it like that. And, you know, I hope he comes out. I hope he's able to get a good program together next year. So, you know, he can come out swinging because, you know, he's definitely a challenge for those guys. Hammy. I have to agree. Also, I think he put himself in a good position all year with the top two guys. Like he was always right there in the mix and in years past, I don't think it was quite like that. It was always one, two, and then the three and four guys like him and Jeffrey. But I think this year he kind of broke away from Jeffrey and kind of cemented himself as running with Joel and Chad. And uh, you can't complain with that at all. And I'm sure next year he's going to want more of it. I think overall, I think he's got a better program too. I think that that machine seems to be working better than it has in the past. Has he been running Baldwin motors or Baldwin heads all year? I believe so. Okay, well, either way. I think this is the first year it's been a ball with motor. I know it's a, the first year, but I feel like these last couple weeks, these last couple races, I swear they found something because he went from being maybe mid-pack-ish on the starts to the last two races, like Loretta's and Ironman. He was right at the front, and – um I don't know that we've ever really seen that consistently with him before. So I think that they found some stuff with that machine too. And I would assume that they can take that and use that next year as well. Yeah. I, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think it's the start would definitely is a, is a key for him. If he can get a, um, you know, if he can get, if he can pull a whole shot, I think he would be, 
it would be something, you know, those guys would have to really work to, to get around him because, um, like you said, yeah, his starts are usually kind of mediocre. You don't really see him. Mud races, he usually gets a – I would say he probably gets a good start in mud races for, I mean, for the, the most part. The two goggles. The two yeah. goggles. Um, and, it, yeah, it, I think it's all for him. You know, now it's a it's a start. And, yeah, I didn't know that um, – who was he running before for engine for an engine package? Was it was was it Dasa? It might have been, and I I didn't know that he was running uh, Baldwin stuff this year. I guess I never really paid any attention. But yeah, I think I think that that's been key. I'm pretty sure he ran Dasa in the past, and um, now he's running Mark stuff. So uh, either way, either way, that that thing has been strong, and and it's been the strongest here at the end of the year. So I think that they found something. If he's on that same program next year. Um, the starts has been the one thing maybe he's been missing. And mm-hmm. again, his riding has been, has been uh top tier. So that's your top three. Um, up next for that trio is the quad cross of nations um, in a, in about a month here, a little more than a month in Germany. Um, but before we get to the rest of the pack, let's hear a word from our sponsors. First and foremost, a huge thank you to CST tires, csttires.com for coming on as a title sponsor. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics. Of the countless riders I've turned on to CST tires, not a single one has been disappointed. Join the takeover and upgrade to CST today. Thank you, SSI Decals, for your support and presenting sponsorship of the live show. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the brand quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and NHRA six-time world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI making your identity sick with championship-level graphics, SSI decals. Our featured guest is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This patented X-Ring Racing Chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, setting the standard and making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick out the ATV2 chain at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go DID. We are also supported by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Our site lap intro segment is brought to you by Evans. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans Coolant prevents boil over so you never have to pull over or worry about your engine no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more. Use what the pros use. Choose Evans today. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at 
dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Finally, our fan question segment is brought to you by 100% and their new Armega Goggle out now. Thanks to those guys for the support and supplying us with awesome 100% giveaways. Not to mention the new goggle that is setting the standard in moto. Now back to the show. All right, so if you caught our Untold Stories social posts, you may have noticed some of the things you otherwise wouldn't have from the final round. Um, Starting with Jeffrey Rastrelli, he had his best effort, I would say, of the last few races. You know, we all know he's battling that Epstein-Barr virus. He fought off Wesley Wolf in the first moto um, for fourth, which was really impressive because Wesley came up on him hard. And it looked like Wesley was going to get around him. And Jeffrey just did what he had to do to hold him off. And um, in the second moto, he grabbed a fifth. He rode his ass off there for that for that fifth overall. And with that, he clinched fourth overall in the series, which obviously at the beginning of the season wouldn't have been anything he would have been, you know, maybe super happy about. But everything he went through fighting this illness he's been fighting, um, he had told me even before the races that, you know, if he could secure that fourth, he'd be happy with that. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, kind of when he started having issues and stuff and, you know, like the last, you know, going to the last race or last couple of races, he was probably just kind of in like a, you know, protect mode type, you know, just try to finish and, you know, get through. And yeah, he told me, I don't, I think he told me he didn't ride at all in between Loretta's and, and Iron Man, and um, I kind of brought up to him. I was like, "Well, you guys didn't go out to you guys didn't go out for the first, you know, you didn't go out for the first qualifier. So, you know, I would maybe this will kind of help you have a little bit of energy at the end of the day, you know, to you know get you through the motos. And I would, yeah, I'd say maybe it helped him a little bit. But yeah, he fought hard for you know for a top five finish and um, to finish you know fourth overall in the series. I'd I'd be happy with that. Now he just needs to you know get the rest and you know, that he needs to try to fight off that virus. And you know, hopefully they got a pro, you know, like the same thing with Thomas, hopefully they got a program that they're putting together for next year and he can come back out next year. Absolutely. I think that uh, he fought that off. He, he, and like you said, I mean, you even see that with Roxon in the, in the motocross side of things like he'll, they said he was only doing a handful at the most laps in qualifying. So that was a good point that maybe, you know, Jeffrey almost is like starting the day with a full tank, you know, and slowly whittles down. Well, if he's, you know, was able to skip that one qualifier, like most of the guys did, that probably kept his tank a little, you know, more full. And he told me that morning he felt pretty good. So it, uh, he got it done on the racetrack and, um, and that was impressive. I'm curious to see what next year looks like for him. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some change with his program because I could see, um, you know, with the Ford program, Ford Brothers Racing with two riders in the pro class might kind of be uh, Mark Baldwin's main focus. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that, um, you know, firsthand, but I wouldn't be surprised. So maybe Jeffrey finds something different. I wouldn't be surprised with that. And um, so, yeah, Hammy, I know your team, Jeffrey, always. Um, what do, you, mm-hmm. what do you think about the way he finished this season there with that fifth overall hard fought? 
Yeah. Um, obviously, I wasn't there, but looking at the results and the lap times, it shows uh, he was there consistently all day. Um, so that's cool. I'm um, sure he wished he would have been able to get on the podium, but fighting that um, Epstein bar, I'm sure, I think a top five is just, I've been, I'm sure he's happy with that to walk out of there healthy and uh, just get ready to recoup for next year. And I'm with you. I'm wondering if he makes any changes. I'm wondering if he go back to PEPs, if he changes, who does the motors, if he stays on a Honda. I mean, he's rode almost every bike. So I'm wondering which, which he goes with next. If he's going to stick with a Honda or go, go to a Yamaha, go to, back to a Suzuki, which we know that ain't going to happen, but uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I just want to see him get back healthy. So he's got to, got to lock himself in the house the next couple months. And uh, that's the only way to recoup from that virus is to literally do nothing. So hopefully he does that, comes back healthy. And uh, yeah, so good for him. I mentioned Wesley Wolf. Wesley Wolf finished right behind him in the first moto. He nailed down fourth in the second moto for fourth overall. Um, that tied his season and career best. So congrats to him for sure. You guys haven't got anything about that? No, I, uh, I'd like to see Wesley Wolf, you know, he's a, you know, runs a GNCC series as well. And uh, which I think that's pretty cool for him to, you know, that's a lot of racing for him in the summertime, um, running that GNCC series and then coming to run the, the motocross series. I'd be, I'd like to see him get some better starts. I think he could, um, you know, he may not have the, he may not have the, you know, the speed, you know, like Joel and Chad Thomas. Um, but I think with a good start, uh, you know, I, you could maybe see him, you know, podium in a moto, you know, with a third because he's usually, you know, he's knocking or he's right there in that top, you know, fourth position, you know, what the, this race he was. Um, so I, yeah, it's all about starts for Wesley. And I don't think he's never really been a good starter from what I, from what I remember. So, you know, maybe he can work on that in the off season and, um, that can really, you know, change some results for him coming into 2020. The thing that comes to mind, um, when we talk about Wesley is, he's one of those guys that's just crazy naturally talented because even um, his family was talking to me on Friday morning before the race. And they're like, he hasnn't ridden all year. (laughs) Literally he just races. So he's, yeah, he's one of those guys because that fourth, the thing about that fourth too is like, he was pretty close. Like he wasn't that far behind those, those top guys. So um, that was pretty impressive. And actually in my mind, when we showed up in the morning, kind of thought of him as a dark horse, if it was going to stay big tires, kind of a maybe sloppy situation, it didn't end up going that way, but he still tied his career in, in season vests. So, yeah, I mean, out of everybody, probably, you know, everybody out there, he's on the big tires, you know, any, you know, more than anybody is, um, you know, Chad, they're, you know, those guys don't go and then they don't practice on him usually. And, and you could just see the later when the track dried out in that first moto and they got some lines running and by the end of the race, you know, I noticed it with, uh, I noticed it with Joel and then, you know, Chad pushing as hard as he was when the bike was kind of getting upset going into some turns. It just seemed like it was really beating them up, uh, with the big time. You know, I'm sure they made, you know, some suspension um, adjustments for the bike, but at the same time, them guys aren't used to, to running those big tires for that long at that pace. Absolutely. That's why I, I think, like I said, you saw it play out firsthand where Thomas was just able to be super aggressive, where Chad kind of had to bite his time, get into the rut, and then go in some of those corners. So, yeah, you're onto something there. You know, Wesley does a – does a lot of racing with them big tires coming from cross country and 
he had a hell of a day, fourth overall. Um, Brandon Hogue was the odds-on favorite for Rookie of the Year coming into the event. We kind of uh, we even held a poll. He was, like I said, he was the fan favorite for sure. Yeah. Um, heading into the event, there he clinched it with a with a sixth overall. So, um, congrats to him on Rookie of the Year. Yeah, definitely a huge congrats to him. He really came on strong. I feel like at the end of the year, um, you know, he got that podium and even his qual his qualifying times. I noticed we have second uh, second fastest at Loretta's. Yeah, and was it fourth fourth fastest last weekend? He had fourth yeah, he fastest. Was, he was right there. It's been really impressive because at the end of the year, it's almost like you weren't thinking about him as a rookie anymore. He was just one of the guys. He'd kind. Of- of establish himself to that he could he could run the pace up front um and you know he's another one that i would say to you know he needs to he work on his starts in the off season as well and you know he get a good start i think he could you know he could do some damage up there you know and that's that's what's going to have to happen for him those guys like that is get starts and get used to running the pace that uh you know joel tat chad thomas uh, Jeffrey, when he gets up there, that pace that those guys start out at the first opening laps, that, you know, that sets the, that sets the tone for the, you know, the rest of the race. Absolutely. His starts were kind of hit or miss. It seemed like, cause there was a couple times where he did get a good start, but just like you're saying, he'd get maybe shuffled back a little bit. I distinctly remember that happening at Unadilla um, because yeah, that, that first part of the race speed by those top guys is crazy. So Hammy, what do you think about Hogue's season? Um, definitely impressive. Uh, congrats to him on the rookie of the year. Um, I wasn't expecting any rookie to get on the podium this year, to be honest. So to see it happen twice, right. Um, that's pretty awesome. So he took home one of those. Um, I think he's one of the guys or one of the rookies next year that I think he'll like, he'll be a consistent sixth and better and fifth and better and maybe see more podiums. If he sticks to the same program, I think he rides with Joel a lot. So I think, that seems to be working really well. And if he can continue to do that, I mean, sky's the limit. If he could just latch on to what Joel's doing. Yeah, absolutely. So congrats to him. Sixth overall. Um, Yeah. And hammered out rookie of the year. So can never take that away from him. Um, Parker Wawerka was seventh, um, but led Moto too early. So that was pretty awesome. I think he's one of those guys that needs to be at the races full time. Mm -hmm. Um, am I right? I agree. I think I, I, I agree. I, I, Parker, I like, I think Parker needs to be racing the full series. I mean, I know it's, it's tough. It's tough to do it with the support. Um, but you know, he's a, I'd say he's a fan favorite. He, you know, turns some head definitely on social media. He turns some heads and, yeah. um, that was awesome. Get out front and, you know, lead, lead a couple laps and kind of hold his own. And he held his own up front for, I would say most of the race. Yeah, I agree. He did really well. And I think the odds were kind of against him, as we mentioned earlier, not so much in the second moto there, but I think, you know, he's doing it kind of just on his own. And I, I don't think that he had any of the big XC style tires that everybody else did, like I mentioned earlier. And he was just, fighting through it with the little tires and um yeah it was a really good showing for him it was cool to see him up front early and you know he kind of looked the part of a guy dicing it up at the front so um that was really cool and I think he even rode better than that than that seventh overall that he that he nailed down on the day so 
he was seventh. Nick Janusa was eighth, and he just didn't get the starts that he needed. Dylan Tremellen was a strong ninth. Sammy Rowe was tenth. And um, I was prepared to say, you know, both of those two were calling it a career. And then um, I heard that Dylan announced yesterday that he is not, in fact, done. Um, so I think you'll see both him and Sammy Rowe on some sort of limited kind of schedule in 2020, but it sounds like they still will, um, still will be around. So that's a good, good Sam, thing. Sam run the full series next year. Sammy's not running the full series. No, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. So I was just, yeah, I was just wondering, um, yeah, I don't, I think Dylan's doing, I thought I heard Dylan maybe doing that district six series, which is the Pennsylvania series. Um, yeah. and, the, the New England series and maybe a couple, a few nationals possibly. That's, that's what I heard too. Yeah. But um, yeah, cause originally I, I read a post about them saying, you know, that they were done. That's what I got from it. And then yep. uh, yeah, he posted that video and somebody told me about, like, I literally, I was like prepared to say that they were done. And somebody said to me earlier today, they're like, yeah, Dylan says he's going to keep racing. So um, that's cool. And then, yeah, I don't know that there's been any official word from Sammy Rowe, but he told me in person um, that he's going to focus more on the, the working thing and um, just go to some of his favorite tracks or some of the ones that are closer to home here for us next year. And, you know, he might even, you know, just race Pro-Am or, you know, race yep. Pro-Am until he's kind of That'd be cool. into, into, you know, full-fledged pro shape. But um, it was good for him. You know, he finished top 10 at the race, but he actually did because um, Sammy's had some tough luck this year. And he was able to get into the top 10 in points there at the last race. Um, so, again, I'm sure he had much higher hopes. but. Um, I mean, that's, that's one feather in your cap. At least top 10 puts you on the stage at Loretta at, uh, at the banquet. Yep. Yep. Oh and yeah. If he does call it a career, i I don't think Sammy has anything to really hang his head about. I, you know, he had a, he had, was very successful, you know, upcoming in amateurs. Um, I think he's got a few national titles there and, uh, he did well in pro-am and, um, so yeah, if he does call it a career and congrats, he was able to, you know, do what he wanted to do for as long as he could. And, you know, he's able to walk away on his own, on his own, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't forced to forced to step away, you know, from an injury or anything like that. And that's, that's the way I looked at it when I, when I walked away was, um, you know, I didn't want to, but uh, at the same time, I, I was healthy, uh, not injured. And, you know, it's, I've had a lot of friends that have been, that had to call it a career because of, because of injuries, serious injuries to where they're, you know, in wheelchairs and stuff like that. So if that's the case with Sammy, yeah, he has nothing to hang his head about of, you know, the career he's had racing four wheelers. He's done well for himself. Absolutely. It sounds like, again, you know, I don't want to, don't want to make it sound like people aren't going to see him again. It sounds like he's going to be at the races. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just, you know, maybe not like we're used to seeing them the last handful of years, but, but yeah, you're exactly right. You know, you, I remember it vividly. Um, you kind of like announced your retirement because yeah. people were even saying on that last race day or that last race weekend that it was Sean Taylor's last race of his career. And I think that that would have been the same weekend for me that I raced my last pro races, but I, I was like kind of hanging on still. So I didn't, I didn't do that. And I was kind of bummed. I didn't because it was really cool. Like a lot of people said a lot of really nice things 
um, about you and your career as you kind of kind of rode off. I thought that that was a really cool way that that played out. Yeah, that was the same. Upperman announced. I think Upperman announced yeah. his. Yeah. He was stepping to that that race too. Yeah. Yep. Yes, so that was cool. Um, so yeah, so we'll, it sounds like we'll see them on a limited budget or I'm sorry, on a limited schedule for next year. And, uh, yeah, so that's your top 10, the other storylines, um, that we kind of covered even heading into the event were the debuting rookies. And I don't think that any of them had, you know, it kind of go according to plan for them, but I predicted Logan Stanfield would be the top dog. And, um, I said, so after, we found out that Bryce Ford was going to sit out the event and um, Logan went on to, went on to get it done. He was the top debuting rookie. So congrats to him. And um, yeah, my predictions were on point. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for you by default. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> he was the top rookie. Oh, what, what were his, what Ford were his race. He finished the uh, 13th overall, I think. 14, 12. Yeah. So like, like I said, I don't, think that any of them had their kind of debut go according to plan. I know that um, Logan was fighting through something in the qualifier. Something was going on with his machine. Uh, like it wasn't running good and stuff, but um, I think he ended up riding a practice machine is what Logan oh, really? ended up doing. And they kind of, and I was like even watching and it seemed like maybe it was under power. I mean, it was a, it was a practice machine. So he, either way he ended up as the top, as the top rookie there. Yeah. I know Noah Mickelson had issue, had electrical issue. They had to put a, uh, he DNF'd at one point in time. Noah, I think was running seventh in Moto one. Yeah. And they yeah, were talking I, him up on the radio big time. Like he was in, like up there. So I'm looking he at the results. It's shocking. And I went under the tent and they were pulling the, the tank and stuff off of it. They had a, they had a wiring harness rubbed through or um, a CDI box broke and it ripped the wires out of the harness. So they had to put a whole new uh, wire harness underneath that machine to, oh, to really? you know, they barely, yeah, they barely made the gate for moto too. So I know yeah. that, uh, as I was even looking at the results, I'm like, well, you know, my prediction wasn't right. And then, you know, come to find out Stanfield ended up being the, that top rookie. But yeah, you know, Mickelson was in the mix. It seemed like in both motos early, but specifically that first moto, um, he was up there and was doing really, really well. Um, and he was the next guy in my notes here because he qualified in the top five, which was pretty incredible yeah. for a person that's just debuting in the in the pro class against the he, best racers in the world. He was only there he was like one of the only what three guys that went out for the first qualifier absolutely he went yep. out yep yeah out, so he was so. he was really impressive and it's going to be exciting to see what he does next year because he's yeah. one of those kids that has a crazy amount of speed and a crazy amount of talent yeah definitely i'm excited so i i didn't know until the week of that he was that he was making the jump up and um yeah, I was happy for him. I mean, I was around him a lot when he was younger and you know, coming up on mods and stuff. And yeah, he's got he's got a lot of talent and uh, a lot to offer in that pro class. So it'll be it'll be exciting to see what he can do and get him training and uh, get him in shape. And yeah, I think he'll have a good season. Yeah, it'll be be a lot of fun to watch. Um, 
And missing in action, I gotta gotta mention this. Missing in action was Wes Lewis. He had to miss the event, welcoming his first child into the world. So obviously, good decision on his part because um, it happened the morning of the event there. So congrats to him and his family. And uh, I, like again, the, you know, we're covering storylines here, but the event itself surpassed my expectations, one hundred percent. Um, it really did. Like I was, again, I was worried about the way the track was going to shape up and it ended up making for great racing. It kind of didn't even hit me how cool it was until the very end of the day when we were standing on the hillside for, um, I was kind of on the side of the podium there and I looked to my right and the whole hillside is full of, um, you know, spectators for the podium ceremony. And, you know, we were there on Saturday for the bike race, and obviously there's a ton of bike fans. I mean, it said that it was the biggest Ironman national ever, but there was more people standing at the podium celebration for the quads than there was for the bikes, and the, the JGR guys were there. There was an array of people um, there, so the, the event just completely surpassed my expectations. Yeah. And I, you know, I think there was some, you know, I think some pro dirt bikes. Um, I know, uh, Freddie Norn, they said Freddie Norn was hanging over the fence. That's, swinging exactly, a towel. that's exactly what I have in my notes right here is Freddie Norn, who was teammates with Joel Hetrick at Phoenix Honda at one point. Now he's a top 10 pro, uh, 450 rider for JGR. And he was hanging off the fence cheering for Joel in that first moto. And Ian Harris from SSI told me that Ferrandis was in the tower and he was watching. And I know, um, AC Adam Cincerillo was standing right next to us with Nick way. And he was totally engaged with what was going on in the racetrack for the whole second moto. I mean, those guys were putting on a show and, um, those top bike guys were, were all about it. Uh, Tomac, Tomac, awesome. we were walking, we were walking down there towards the podium on the hillside. And, um, I just, I just happened to kind of look over. John was to my right and I just looked below him and there was a girl that just walked by John. And then another guy walked behind her and he had a Kawasaki hat on with, and he had like a scruffy beard. And I kind of like looked up over him. It was Tomac. So he'd been out, you know, he'd watched, he was out for Moto2 at least watching. So yeah, the same, like what you said, that hillside was full of people on that podium celebration. That, yeah, it was cool to see um, all the people there that were, you know, engaged with it. And when we were standing there, when they started doing that first lap and the first Moto, when they hit that big tabletop, I mean, you could just hear people, they were like, holy shit, you know, like these guys are, you know, these guys are catching some serious air on these things. And yeah, it was a, it was a cool event. I was glad that I, I made the decision to go out and, um, you know, check it out and you know, support all the ATV guys that were racing and stuff. It was, it was cool. I hope that they can, uh, they can do more of these events in the future. Absolutely. I hope that this Ironman finale with the bikes can turn into a, to an annual deal. And um, like I said, again, congrats to ATV um, motocross and all its fans, all its families, because the fans were into it. There was a lot of people that came from all across the the country um, from the ATV community to support it. It was fantastic. And I think that the event itself was a huge success. Um, I think it was huge for ATV motocross and um, yeah, I just, I hope it's something that can, that can continue to, even yep. if it's just one event a year, even if it's just this one finale each year, it's pretty cool to have that ATV motorcycle finale together. Um, 
I don't think that it had any effect on the bike track or, you know, cause that Friday is just press day for the bikes and it's amateur mm-hmm. practice. So we didn't do anything bad there. And I think that for ATVs in general, it's good for those guys at the top level to see, you know, what, what ATVs can do. Like it's like ATV racing is probably more credible and it's probably cooler today than it was, you know, two weeks ago before this event ever happened. I think that, that, that in itself is, is, is cool for ATV racing. It's good for the promoters and it's good for the sport. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. They had in the, you know, the track, they didn't have all the banners out there on the track and, um, you know, ATV motocross does an okay job with, you know, making sure there's banners and stuff out there, but you know, the Lucas oil presented, there's a lot more banners, you know, they got that huge backdrop for the start. Yeah. You know, to see a full gate of ATVs down there take off was, you know, we haven't seen that for a while. And they, they said if there was over 20, that they were taking, everybody was going to the show regardless. And oh, um, really? yeah, hmm, that's yeah. sweet. Um, I think there was like 21 of them. Um, I think there's 20, was that right? Is there 21 pros? I thought there was 20. Uh, something like that. I think, I think it was just under 18. 20. Yeah. I think it was just under 20. 21. Well, I guess that would have been counting a couple people that didn't, you know, Bryce. Exactly. Was- you know, there was a couple. So when I listed, I had kind of listed the guys that were predicted to go pro. I put it out in a, in a, in a post before the event that came straight from Harv. So those guys had their pro license and there was just a couple guys that didn't show. And we know that, um, that, you know, Bryce Ford was taking some time off to, to celebrate his championships. And, uh, yeah, so, um, so yeah, there was a couple guys missing, but that's really intriguing for next year. Cause maybe we can look at some, I mean, maybe a full gate could be a normal thing going into 2020. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, back to like, you know, how the track led, it was, it was cool for them to, it was good for them to take off from something like that and just seeing it. I don't know, just from the a spectator perspective, I, the event was, was great. And I think it was a huge success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cody, were you there for the parade lap before the pro bikes race I was. for Team USA? I was. And I was. How, how- how was that? It was cool. I was like, had my fingers crossed that they were going to be able to jump the jumps. And did they? they did. And the crowd was into That's it. And sick. it started like the parade lap started and there was like nobody really making any noise. And then, you know, they come around and they jump Godzilla and, you know, people like that's a long way away. So, um, but so the people that saw it were impressed and then they kind of come around and they jump the skyscraper or whatever they were calling that in the middle. And, um, yeah, then people were pumped. Like that was a, that was a big deal. Cause that's a, that's a big old jump. So to see people that don't hold ATVs as high as they deserve to be held, um, I think that they were pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. So the, the parade lab there was pretty cool. And, uh, so to put a bow on the event, um, I got sent a question a couple weeks ago and I didn't get a chance to answer it. So we're going to, we're going to talk about it here. Dan Wellen sent me this and he proposed this question. He said, um, Joel Hattrick on a bike versus Eli Tomac on a quad. Who are you taking? Hattrick all day. Yeah. I'd probably go Joel. He's pretty fast on a bike. Grips on a bike. That's exactly. I, I, in my mind, it was Tomax flipping that quad. <laughs> well, I, it was absolutely like no question, no brainer to me. Joel on the bike because um, an ATV might be easier to 
kind of like putt around on trail ride, but to actually go fast on an ATV is harder than going fast on a dirt bike. Um, I, I, we all know that. I don't think that we're breaking any news here. So, and Joel's a pretty good bike rider. So like in my mind, no question. Yeah. yeah. When you yeah. asked, when you asked me that the other day or last night, I thought you were meaning like on a quad, you know, Tetrick on the quad and, and Tomac on the bike. And it's like, yeah, yeah I'll probably take Tomac on that. Just, you know, but, uh, but yeah, if it was flip-flopped and yeah, I'm, I bet, I bet money on it. Sure. Absolutely. Me too. It's hard to, you know, there's, a, there's, it's funny that you say that, um, comparing them, you know, Joel on a quad his and, and, and Tomac on a bike, there's that, there's that split screen helmet cam video from red bud, I think with Roxon and him right from a few years ago. And yep. that's pretty fun to watch because it's almost even. And it's funny yeah. because you can see the sections where a bike is clearly faster and a four wheeler is clearly faster, but it depends on what track we're going on. Because if we're on a, if we're on, if we're on muddy Creek and it's hard mm-hmm. packed, like it is for us, it, Joel's going to cream them. Oh yeah. 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 And then if we go to a sand track or something like that, like if we go to Millville, um, mm-hmm. a bike is going to beat a quad in the sand. It's just nature of the beast. So, um, yeah, I thought that that was a pretty interesting question and, um, I like that one. Yeah. So that was cool. That was, like I said, I got that a couple of weeks ago and kind of held it in my back pocket for us. So, yeah, so I want to, let's wrap things up kind of on the season as we're, while we're here. So, um, what do you guys think your biggest surprise was of 2019, the season that just ended? I'll let you go first, Sean. Uh, I mean, just off, you know, one of the main ones is uh, one of the main ones is, you know, Hetrick coming back and winning the champion. Obviously, that's what I think. Um, being What was he? You know, he was down 29 at one time and came back and was within. I don't I think he might have had it under 20. Cody could probably, you know, would know more you know, statistics over that than me. But um, or the stats uh, and then it Walnut and went back down and. I don't know. And me personally kind of thought it was just, well, you know, Joel just needs to go and, you know, go and win some races and, you know, maybe just try to finish the season strong, more than likely the championship's going to be out of his hands. And I think Joel probably, you know, Joel kind of thought that too, but anything can happen. So for, you know, that to happen to Chad at Redbud, um, having his DNF and Joel to come back and, you know, and then going down to the final two motos and Joel pulling it off, I would say that that was, I, I would say that was probably the biggest, biggest thing for me in the season. Yeah, and before Hammy, before you answer that, you know, just to comment on on Sean's take for a second, but the um, the I don't even know how to explain it, but it was like what happened to Joel last year happened to Chad this year. It was both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very close to the end of the series. Like I don't know if it just balances it out. And like Sean said earlier, like. I'm not team either one of those guys. Like I cheer for them both. I'm friends with them both. You know, Um, I don't want to see anybody have DNFs or mechanicals decide anything, but if nothing else, like it got it. I mean, Joel just fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and it worked out and it, it was kind of even towards the end of the series and the best man was going to win. And, um, he was clutch, you know, like Sean said earlier. So yeah, just to, just to, yeah. that, that was, uh, that was Joel kind of right at his ship. So good for him. Congrats again on the championship. So Hammy biggest surprise in 2019. 
Um, I'm going to have to go with something similar. I think it was Chad's chain breaking at Redbud. I wasn't ex- wouldn't expect expected that to happen. And just the uh, the way the points swang so late in the series um, kind of thought. Because I don't know if Joel even ended up winning out at that point. Where would that have put him? Chad didn't break the chain, just got seconds. Uh, when we when we did the math, I think with four races left, if Joel would have won each moto and Chad would have finished second in each moto, Chad would have won by like four points or six points. I think it was really four, though. okay. Yeah. So see, yeah, him him breaking that chain, I think, was the biggest surprise because it totally went from like managing it to like survival mode real quick. Well, we said the stats too. I mean, it had been seven years since he had a DNF. So. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. unreal. So yeah, that was a definite surprise. I can't believe you guys left this for me, but my biggest surprise would have been the rookies. You know, rookies oh. making the podium like Dang. hasn't happened since since Joel Hattrick, and then to have it happen back to back weeks, Cody Ford at at Sunset, and then oh, yeah. uh, and then Brandon Hogue at Unadilla. That was big, super impressive. So that was my biggest surprise of 2019. Um, I was about to that and say that. Um, that would my, you know, the other surprise would have been Brandon Hogue getting on, you know, congrats to Cody Ford, him getting on the podium. But, um, you know, if you know, if you know Brandon Hogue's background and where Brandon Hogue's come from, um, you know, he, I'm pretty sure I remember him coming to the races on a 300 and he was coming with families. Uh, you know, Brandon's family weren't coming to the far races. He was coming with somebody else and, you know, the kids grinded and he's got some support from some other people along the way. He's kind of done it by himself for the most part by himself. Um, so yeah, like you said, the rookies, um, you know, Brandon Hogue getting that podium there at Unadilla and at Unadilla, Unadilla is such a fast track and a high speed track. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely. And we know that Jeffrey wasn't at full strength and stuff, obviously. Um, but Brandon passed him straight up late in the race and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he got it done. So I, he was the next person. I knew that at some point we were going to bring up Brandon Hogue cause I knew if you guys didn't take it, I was going to say that the rookies were my biggest surprise. So the next thing in my notes here was, I was going to ask you guys what you think, um, rookie of the year now Brandon Hogue's going to do in his sophomore season. What do you think we can expect in 2020? I I think that he's gonna I think he's gonna have a successful you know second year um, you know he's got a great you know team I guess would you say Tim Detling's his mechanic and uh, Tim Detling is you know very very good mechanic I think he runs his own shop at out there in Ohio and um, yeah I'm I'm excited for Brandon you know he just posted today that um, he had, he's set some goals for himself for next year and you know he's gonna he's gonna work hard on getting those goals and. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good year. I, I agree with that, definitely. Uh, I think I said earlier, as long as he uh, sticks on that same program and stays with Joel, I think he'll only go up and improve. Um, depending on, I think, if all like the top guys stay, I, I can't see him being like a top three, but I think he'll put himself with Janusa and Jeffrey more frequently, and he'll try to take over maybe that spot if it starts um, improve too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because you know what you're getting from, from um, Joel and Chad, you know, where Thomas is mm-hmm. at. He's not right. You know, that far behind. I think Jeffrey at full strength is, you know, where Thomas is because before, before Jeffrey got sick, he was having his best season, uh, you know, to, to date. 
Um, so, you know, and then you're talking Janusa, Janusa, Hogue, Wesley is kind of that that next group. Um, and now you got you got. I mean, the rookie class this year was strong. You got new guys coming in um, that you know are gonna be gonna be you know kind of banging on the door too and. I guess that kind of leads me to my next question is, you know, speaking of those rookies, I was bummed. You know, I think we all were that we didn't see Bryce Ford ride at Ironman. Um, I was going to ask bold predictions for 2020, but I kind of assumed that, you know, some of those bold predictions may, you know, kind of include this guy. So what do you see from Bryce Ford next season when he goes kind of makes that full jump to pro class? Uh, I think he'll do good. Yeah. I, there's a lot of hype with him on right now. Like I was bummed not to see him out there. That's I was thought he was, you know, he'd be out there racing for sure. Just, you know, the type of event it was, event it was, um, they, uh, you know, so I thought he would have been racing and I was kind of bummed that he wasn't. Cause yeah, I wanted to see, see what he could do. And, um, from what I heard, it's, he's got some kids, got some serious speed and talent and, um, and we, you may see him up in the top five battling with those guys. I guess it'll just, we're just gonna have to wait and find out, see how it goes. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with the same. I think uh, his endurance will be the biggest thing because we. I think everyone's what I've been hearing like he's got the speed, but he hasn't ran that long moto. So I think that's gonna be what's put to the test. And if he can run that long moto, I think he should be fine, and he'll be another guy in that top five. And who knows if he's under the ball one ten, gets some good hole shots, he might be able to hold off some of those top guys because he trains with Thomas and does yep. motos with them on the daily. So. He could, he could be very well used to that pace and getting pushed, just not yep. by, you know, a pack of them. Absolutely. Yep. I think it's going to be intriguing to see him out there racing with guys that are going his speed and maybe even faster than his speed because we weren't seeing him go at 100% this year, you know, name the number. But if, you know, he would he would kind of get a little lead and then he's riding at 60 70% and he's still the fastest guy on the racetrack in Pro-Am. So, um it's going to be interesting to see like where his limit is because we don't know where his ceiling is at yet. You know, he's only been on a 450 for one year and you know, it seems like the sky's the limit. So he could be the next, next real deal. And um, yeah, it'll be really exciting to see what happens um, for him next year. So if you guys, do you guys have any other bold predictions for next year? I mean, it's really hard because think we're going to see a lot of the same you know I mean like I said Joel and Chad you know have been up there for so long so same with Thomas and Jeffrey um we covered earlier and you know other podcast episodes that Janusa is you know he's like the most as consistent as anybody um and he got that podium late in the year this year at Redbud so he kind of it's got that in his back pocket now and you know like I said you're you're seeing seeing fast young kids come in, but to unseat those top guys is a really, really, really tall task. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're a week, you know, we're a week into the off season basically. And um, so what I'm waiting for next is the, to come out as a schedule and then kind of see, you know, if, you know, if anybody going to change up their program, we're going to see something different from people, your top guys, I don't think you're going to really see much change from them. Um, you may not see much change from anybody, but it's always kind of it's always kind of exciting to to hear people kind of start posting about what they're doing and uh, 
um, give you an idea what's what's going on for next year. So I think we'll be seeing that, you know, probably in the next couple, two, three months, maybe um, on that and, you know, kind of go from there. Hammy. I agree. Um, I think next year is going to be about the same. I think you'll see Chad and Joel be up front. I think Joel's going to want to get that back to back as first repeat. So I think he'll be gunning for that. And I think Thomas will be, I think going even harder after Chad's number two spot next year. I think after this year, he knows like he knows he can do it. So I think he might not play so nice. Maybe, maybe do stuff a little bit differently in them races where he had him right there and had a chance to get him. I think maybe we'll see maybe more of that. And that's what I'm hoping for. Just the same style of racing as this year, close with the points and close battles and new guys up there. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that. I think I love this view. I absolutely love it. I don't look at it as a fault at all. Um, But Later in the year, you listening to Chad, he mentioned a few different times that there was more to life than just racing. And he is the ultimate competitor. You know, I'd look at him like he will he will cut off his arm. You know, he does not like to lose. He'll do whatever he has to do. But I just it's awesome. And again, I love that take. I love the, there's more to life. I think that that's something that some athletes really need to need to see. Um, but is that a shift in him a little bit? You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just curious to see if he comes back as fiery. I think he will. I really do. Um, and I think he'll be the same old Chad, but yeah, I mean, Thomas is going to be right up in that mix and, um, but I think we're going to see a lot of the same. Those same guys are going to be at the front. I think that that's the top tier, and it'll be interesting to see if somebody else can get up there kind of in that pack of that top four and be, you know, a kind of constant contender. Yeah, I, uh, you know, like Chad, it's, um, yeah, Chad wants to win, and yeah, I think Chad come back. He's going to be working just as hard this off season to come back and get that number plate, number one plate back. I, you know, I believe he did mention that on the podium that, you know, he was, they were going to come back next year and they're going to try and take it from him. Um, and yeah, like he was, he was humble about the, you know, there's more to, there's more to life than to, to ATVs. And, and I think that's, it was the last race of the year. And, um, you know, we've been working, you know, where those guys work like dogs to you know, go out there week in week out and perform like that. So, you know, he's probably just, you know, weight off of his shoulders to where he can, you know, they've got a baby at home. He can go spend time with him and, um, you know, spend more time with the family back home in Illinois and um, just enjoy it while they can before he, he heads south. But um, I was losing and I kind of lost the train of thought I was saying. Well, I think that the other thing that was really cool to see on the podium there was, you know, Chad was really gracious in defeat. And Joel gave Chad a ton of credit right back. And I really thought that that was cool because there was, there's been times in that dynamic where it hasn't been, you know, um, you know, that, that kind of uplifting with each other. So I thought that that was really cool, especially again, with that setting on a, on a hillside of people, the biggest crowd we've ever seen for an ATV podium. And uh, Chad, obviously he was bummed not to win. But he was, yeah. or, but he was also happy to win the event. And again, like he left it all out there, and Joel got it done. And it was just cool to see that dynamic between those two. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it wasn't, you know, like in the first moto, it wasn't like he, you know, he gave up when, you know, Joel kind of no. got, you know, talked about. He was pushing. He was trying to, he was trying to reel him in. And yeah, you know, Chad took the overall there. You know, might you know, he won the, he won the battle, but he didn't win the war. And um, but yeah, that Chad lives for it. You know, just Joel lives for it. All those guys, everybody that's out there, they live for it, and that's why they're doing it. And uh, yeah, I, I think we're gonna see a, a good season next year. I'm, I'm excited for 2020 and what, what's all to come. And, uh, yeah, I'm, it's like us talking about it right now. I wish it was, you know, we're still a few months away or what, five months first race or got a long wait, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. So I don't, to end this thing, I don't want to put either of you on the spot and have you predict a champion for 2020. Um, but Chad right now has six championships. Joel just got his second. How many championships does Joel Hetrick retire with? See what's Joel? Joel's twenty twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Twenty six. Twenty six. Um, and I don't, I don't see Joel Hetrick ever doing anything else in in life except for except for riding a four wheeler. I, I can't see Joel doing anything else. Um, so I mean, I I would say that uh, you know Chad's really established himself with the championships that he has, and I think that Joel is gonna. I think Joel's going to you know, try to do the same, you know, so I'm him retiring. I'm going to say at least eight. Ooh. Oh, that was close. Ton. That's close to my guess. Okay. I'm say that, was, that would tie, that would tie Denton, right? Denton has eight. I knew, I knew Denton was seven or eight. That's why, that's why I said that is that, you know, he's going to go. Gonna be, he's going to be right yeah. in that realm then. Joel's listening. He better get to work because he got a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. All right, Hammy, how many you got for Joel? I was going to say nine, just shy of ten, nine. I didn't even know. I didn't know what the record was, but you guys saying the record's eight. Why stop at the record being eight? If you're still on top and winning, just get the record, call it done, best ever, and then you're you're good. Get out. Call it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right off into the sunset. (laughs) Can you imagine eight straight? Well, he just got his second. Like – He's been a pro since yeah. 11. He's just got his second. You guys are saying he's, he's going to just, just start winning everything in sight for the rest of the next decade. going to have to. Uh, how many are you thinking? I don't know. Do you... Man, I, I don't know that I was going to go that high. I, I, I was thinking if he gets to six, because that's still, I mean, that's a lot of winning. Um, if he gets the six, then maybe he goes one past Chad. If Chad were to not win anymore, I mean, if Chad, but if say Chad wins one, okay, Chad gets to seven. Now that puts Joel's trajectory one back. So it's almost like a, it's a two championship swing almost like if you take one from one guy and give it to, you know what I'm saying? So, um, gosh. I think if Chad, I got a not, if Chad were to not win anymore, I think Joel would maybe get to six and then get to seven. But it's crazy to speculate all these championships down the road. It's a lot. That's a lot of years of racing, you know. To come, that, that's my it. point, and all the stuff that can happen. You get hurt, and that costs you one whole year of of a championship. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't factor in that. I mean, when did when did Weaning go pro? Oh. Five? 06, 05. 06, yeah. So, so remember that Carpe Diem movie was out, right? Yeah. So I mean, 
or beating the odds, my bad. Beating the odds, yeah. There was Carpe Diem 4, and he was, was trying to Suzuki. On a Suzuki in 4, on Carpe Diem 4. Um, and then, oh, I went to Redbud in 05, and either 05 or 06, and he was he was pro then on Honda. So I'm just curious on, you know, how long he's been in it, and he's got six. 14 years. Yeah, so About. 07, he was on the Suzuki. 06, he – that was – 06, at the end of 06, was um, was beating the odds. And I think that he, he raced – Yeah. Because 06 was when he got the podium at Walnut. So I think he did race some races in 05 in pro. Um, yeah. Because actually on the on the podcast, I remember him saying, because in my mind I'm thinking, like, how did you know you were ready to go pro? Because he'd talk about his pro-am days, and he's like, I wasn't winning. You know, I wasn't up there. And then he was – you know, talked about being, so, so yeah, he's been in the, he's been in the pro class for like 15 years and um, man, he's still going strong. So that's impressive. And I just confirmed it, that Gary Denton has eight. So nine. So, I mean, either way, whatever those guys, those guys do, you got to do a lot of winning to get up to that record. Yeah. Yeah. But do you see anyone else other than Joel or Chad winning a championship anytime soon? Well, it's hard to project this way, but Bryce Ford looks pretty good. Yeah, we talked. He hasn't about- even raced a moto yet, though. I, I, me saying that is no different than you saying he's going to win seven more championships. I'd rather put <laughs> not seven more on Joel than this. This kid ain't never raced a pro race. Okay, well, Bryce Ford. Bryce Ford is seventeen, so they raced. Him and Joel raced together for eight years or whatever and then he if he's on like chad's time frame joel's only 32 then or 34 okay john Atali was winning and at that old i'm just saying i think i think that he would be my next guy i think i I think i proposed this question to somebody on the last episode hammy maybe you and i and i asked who would be the next pro champion other than those two or Sean, I asked you, yeah, I asked Sean. And, yeah, I, that's think what... I, and I think I said Bryce Ford because I don't know who else you would pick right now. Like, I, I remember this now because I said, how do you balance giving, saying Thomas gets to that level or Jeffrey gets to that level? Like, I'm fans of those guys. So are they going to, who's more likely? Is one of them more likely to get to that top level? Or is somebody like Bryce Ford that you have no idea what his ceiling is? It's just so hard to balance. He's young. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's only 17. Like he may not get it done right away. I mean, look at, um, look at Joel, look at Joel, like turn yeah. pro in, in 11, 11. It took him six years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 17. He was, yeah. He was winning races, but could never get over that hump. Like it's that consistency. That's why I would have liked to ask you guys, who's going to be rookie of the year next year. And I think that, I, it's so hard. I mean, we just saw it happen in Pro-Am. He's going to be racing those same guys from Pro-Am. Like, Bryce Ford is the favorite. He just won yeah. Pro-Am. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, going into next year, he's really the favorite. The only thing that could stop him is consistency or injuries. And, again, like somebody who hasn't raced those guys on a regular basis, and I don't want to make it sound like he doesn't know, you know, this level because he rides with Thomas Brown – every week, you know, they train together or whatever. Um, but 
like when there's guys out in front of you, some people don't know how to slow it down just one iota. So you're not on the, not on the edge. And I think that that was Joel's problem maybe really early in his career is he knew he had the speed. He just was going for it. And, um, you know, who knows if Bryce needs to learn that? I don't know. So you could talk yourself blue in the face about the, about this. I didn't even think it was going to become that, become that big of a deal, but it'll yeah, be, uh, you could be pretty interesting. It just be, you know, see how fast, you know, he can learn and, you know, adapt, you know, adapt to racing at that level. Yeah. You know, it's either, he may either, you know, catch on right away or it's going to take him, you know, it's going to take him a little while, but yeah, like you're saying, he is, he's clearly the favorite going into, you know, the, the rookie favorite going into, into next season. And yeah. Because, man, he gets a, if he rips a whole shot, like I think is semi-likely or is right there in a whole shot, like mm-hmm. I could see him holding his own for the better part of a moto, you know, like being running that front pace. I mean, that's just how it looked in Pro-Am this year. Yeah. And, like, I mean, would you uh, – you, you've watched him race, you know, race in the series all year let's let's compare let's bring in cody gibson um you know cody gibson pro-am just unreal fast just that speed and then uh was on let's see what was he was on the cowie and motion and then he went on motion yeah motion racing in 2000 didn't do very very well but i don't think you're gonna see yeah he had an injury i think in there i think he crashed and broke a a collarbone or something before the season started maybe um yeah bright you're not going to see bryce switching you know bryce is more than likely i would think going to be on a honda next yeah. year yeah um so yeah so back to my question what do you think um you know cody you know how cody's speed was do you think that that's i mean do you think bryce is you know close to that speed to where yeah he could you know he could hold his own in the pro class see there's a couple differences that are key to me the one thing about cody back then is he was he was waxing like us we were racing yeah. against him in those years and he was waxing us and that pro am class was really 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 fast and he yeah. was he was waxing you know he was he was winning um comfortably and dominating the thing i don't want to i mean i don't know that i'm breaking any news here but that pro-am class wasn't as deep as it's been in some past years. I think, you know, the pace was fast and stuff, but um, maybe it wasn't as deep as some of the classes of pro-am that we've seen in, in past years. So it is hard to compare there because it just looked like Bryce didn't have anybody that was really on his level. I think that Stanfield was the closest guy and then Stanfield got nicked up and then the end of the year, he wasn't riding at full strength. So the other thing, the other key to me is that all of us have raced the pro class and it's very hard to, um, to describe to somebody how fast the pro class is. The difference is, is Bryce is riding with Thomas every day. And he's got his brother right there too. I haven't even mentioned Cody Ford yet in this aspect of it, but Cody Ford, his brother is another pro. So he's got multiple pros that he's riding. Top 10 pros. Exactly. Top 10 pros that he's riding with on a weekly basis, a daily basis. And I think that having that in his back pocket um, is, 
having him going to be more prepared coming in. Probably, it's got to be like yeah. the biggest key almost in my mind. So I, I love Cody Gibson. I think that we spent a lot of time on this podcast. It's almost like people that remember him back then are like a little bit infatuated with him. And yeah. we even mentioned in the last yeah. podcast, like what could have been with him. Um, oh, right. But I could, I mean, unless Bryce has an issue, I don't know what, I thought of Cody as like a, like a what, like a seventh, eighth, ninth place pro. Is that fair? When he Back when he raced pro, Cody Cody Gibson, yeah, right. I, I mean, he never went pro. He went pro that year in Mushin. I don't think he did all that good, but I don't think he was all in it. No, I don't no. think so. I don't think so either. But my point is, if, but, we're, if we're comparing, we're comparing what he did in in pro am to how that translated to the pro class. I think that Bryce is going to be more impressive than that. That's just my take. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where I was trying to tie it all together, you know? Yeah, I'm following you. Yeah, I'm following what you're saying, yeah. So so if Cody uh, never did in the pro class what what we all thought he was going to do, I think Mm -hmm. that Bryce is – I think especially with the starts and stuff, like I just – I think that he could be a top five guy. I really do, you know? There's rumors that come out of that camp that – that and, yeah. and that come out of that camp that say he can do Thomas's speed. Yeah, I've um, heard. I, yeah. So yeah. if he can even do close to Thomas's speed, you know, if he can do that for a moto, that puts him. I mean, Thomas is a top three guy. There's a there is a, a the gap between three and five in speed wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I so mean, you're off your. Clearly putting him in top five. You're putting him as a, as a top five rider. I'm thinking I he. I, I really think he can be. Can he do it every moto? I could. I mean, that's tough. That's asking a lot of a rookie. But I think that I think that it is definitely possible. Yep. So, all right, guys. Well, I think that we we'll have to wait and see. I think that we pretty much covered it. Yeah. I uh, that we somehow got there out of asking how many championships will Joel Hetrick end his career with. So, yeah, I don't know that we even answered that question. We're just – Gary Denton's already buried. Nine. Joel won a second championship, and Gary Denton's already shaking in his boots that Joel's going to come and pass him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, that's all we got. That does it for the, the season. Um, that does it for Ironman in the 2019 season. Um, we, I think we, we covered it all at this point. I can't thank you both enough for, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, this has been a lot of fun doing the, the three way and kind of just, uh, getting to listen to everybody's kind of, kind of take on everything. So I really, I really can't, uh, thank you guys enough for coming on. I really, really, really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Enjoy it. Yeah, same. Love to do it again. It's good times. Yeah, well, I, again, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, look forward to having you guys back on soon. Well, guys, with that, the season and our coverage of it has come to an end. I would have loved to be out there racing last Friday. I really tried to pull it together, but being there to support and cover the event was the next best thing. Truly awesome. 
Now it's time to give away this DID racing chain 520 ATV2 X-Ring chain. After nearly a thousand entries, Gavin Haymauer was our randomly selected winner. Congrats to him. He's going to receive the best chain on the market. And these DID racing chains are trusted by Chad Weenan, Joel Hetrick, myself, and so many others. The only difference between the three of us is I choose to run the Rivet-style Masterlink and Clips, so I know I'll never have a chain problem. I've been using them for the past few years, and this Peen-style clip is the one that the guys talked about using on the Quad Cross of Nations live show. Everyone listening should trust nothing but the best when it comes to chains. The DID 520 ATV2 chain is absolutely what you need. And like I said, you can also use the rivet style clip like I do, and DID offers a killer tool to pin them together. Nothing better. I'm super excited for what's coming up on the podcast. Joel Hetrick is coming on for a full episode feature in the episode to follow this one. We also got Digger Doug Gus coming up. Digger was one of my heroes growing up, so I'm super excited about that and so much more as we head into the off season. I want to thank our guests tonight, Sean Taylor and Tyler Hamrick, both of who were brought to you by DID Racing Chain. Thanks to my producer, my brother Dallas, for all his time and efforts each week. Couldn't do it without you, D. Thank you so much. Thanks to my better half, Taylor Smith, for her graphic design work. Thanks for making the podcast look incredible. She's absolutely fantastic at what she does. Thanks so much. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4Works Carbon, DP Brakes, 100% and the newer Mega Goggle, Blender's Eyewear, and Oats Overnight. Remember to support the brands that support our show. Use those codes to save, like on Mountaineer Brand, Blender's, Evans, and more. And if you enjoy the show and want more from us, donate via Patreon if you're so inclined to do so. Any added support will keep the podcast around and help us put out more and more content. And if you want to sponsor the show, shoot me a message and we can talk about that. We also have a new call-in line for you guys. So if you have a comment, question, topic, anything you want to shoot us, you may just hear it played on the show. That number is 920 920- five six nine three five one nine can't wait to hear from you guys thanks to all of our listeners all of you guys rock your growing and continued support justifies all the hard work and motivates us to do more iron man was another weekend of non-stop conversations about the show it continues to blow my mind how many people are listening and truly enjoy this stuff i love it um, again you guys rock so keep it up We have big things planned and coming soon, so to ensure that you don't miss anything, follow myself, Cody Jansen, and the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the page, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts. Anything to help us grow the show would be greatly appreciated. Again, awesome show tonight. Thanks again to all involved. I can't wait to have the champ, Joel Hetrick, join us next time. With that, I'm Cody Jansen, and until next time, Thanks for listening to and joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross.